I'd like to start with um, just a little overview of um, the the um, structure of the sessions. Um, and this will be more or less the structure of all the sessions. And I just find it helpful for, for you to know um, what the structure is. So we'll have in each session, we'll usually start with um, some time for reflections and questions from you from the previous session. Um, then we'll have a section of teaching, a talk from me, uh, guided practice, and then hopefully more time for questions at the end. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of uh, saying all of that. And of course, most importantly, there will be a break in the middle. <laughs> this is the most important aspect of giving you the overview, is that so you know, yeah, there will be somewhere around the halfway point, there will be at least five minutes so that we can go and care for our body um, as part of being here. Yeah, so you don't need to kind of be sitting there and either feeling like you have to struggle through um, or uh, kind of nip out and feel like you're, you know, maybe not, not being, uh, not participating or whatever. So there will be a break uh, during the, during the two hours together. Um, just a, a kind of uh, another thing with the, with the overall, so we'll be kind of unfolding the teachings um, over the, the four sessions. And um, if, it may be that for whatever reason you need to miss one of the sessions. That's part of why the recordings are there. Yeah. So that you, um, if you miss a session, you can, uh, listen. Um, also you may find that you want to listen again anyway to part or all of it. Um, it will all go on the notice board, which you received a link to with your joining information. So that will always go up on the notice board the morning after. Um, each session, the, the links to the recordings should be there um, uh, for you. Yeah, and maybe just to add that if you do, f if you do see that you need to meet to um, miss a session, if you can send, um, let Sagiv or myself know, and you can contact both of us through the notice board. There's contact forms there, both for Sagiv and for myself. So you can always send us a message through there just to say, I'm going to have to miss today's session or I'm going to join late or I'm going to leave early. Don't, I'm not trying to give you any ideas. <laughs> if you can, it's still helpful to be here for the whole time. Um, but I also just want to acknowledge yeah, that this may happen. And so how do we, how do we um, include it in a, in a way that's supportive both for our own practice and for us as a group? So... This is what I've been wanting to do since we started, and, and we're going to do it now. Um, so the last couple of days, as we've been kind of moving closer to this, um, to this course beginning, as I said, I've been really excited about it. So if I kind of feel like I'm bouncing around like an excited puppy on your screen, please humor me. Um, and with that kind of excitement is kind of constantly this kind of as if there's this song in my head it doesn't really have a tune but you know everything everything is dependently originating everything is dependently arising um it's a really beautiful uh soundtrack uh to have and with that um a real awareness which i'd like us to kind of get a feeling of that, you know, also this course, um, also this session right now, also this moment right now is dependently originating, yeah, dependently arising yeah. right now. Whatever your experience is right now, and, and maybe we can check in, yeah, what is it? Yeah, if there's a sense of, okay, come on, when do we actually start? <laughs> or, you know, you're feeling a little tired or blurry, yeah. Or whatever it is, whatever the experience is right now, what happens if we just bring in that kind of little soundtrack? Yeah, and this this also is dependently originating. Yeah, this is also a dependent arising, and you don't even need to know what that means. <laughs> if the mind is kind of freaking out and saying, "What does that mean?" You know, that's what I'm here for <laughs> to understand. Yeah. And just say, ah, just what happens? Yeah, whatever it means to you right now, what happens if we bring that into this moment? 
And we can feel that in ourselves and we can also expand it to, to the others here. Yeah. Because it's not just dependently arising. Yeah. In separation from others. It's also dependently arising in community with others and mutual, um, mutually shaping. So all of this is an introduction to, to say that um, in a moment, I'll invite all of us to unmute. Yeah. And uh, just to say hello. Yeah. So we'll just all unmute, say hello to each other. Doesn't matter that it'll be like <laughs> a boom of sound and then we'll mute again. Um, so let's go. Yeah. Just when you're ready, unmute whatever language, whichever way. Hello. So we can we can feel, yeah, and, and just seeing the smiles and, and let's just take a moment to feel them. Yeah. So how's the experience now? Yeah. And has it changed from a few moments ago before we did that? Now, what does that mean? Okay, that's it. We're done. (laughs) We can go now. Yeah. Sorry. I told you I was going to bounce around like an excited puppy today. Yeah. So we can feel, yeah, that there it is. There's a moment of experience and then we do something or something happens and that experience changes. Yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? And let's have that. That is the question. (laughs) That is the question that um, the map of dependent origination actually explores invites us to explore and that's kind of the question that we can have uh, with us yeah as we uh, as we listen and practice and explore today and as we kind of go forward with this exploration over the days and so um, I just want to weave another thread in uh, or a couple um, before this isn't the talk yet by the way <laughs> um, before we continue and I I just want um, to to invite you to take a moment yeah. to welcome yourself and to welcome the others here with you so what does it mean to have a sense of welcoming towards oneself How does that impact experience? And then extending that or turning that sense of welcoming to to others. It might be that you just, it's easier for you just to choose one person and you just welcome that person. It may be that it's easier to, to take in a whole screen or just the sense you might even feel it's easier to have your eyes closed and you just have a sense of welcoming towards everybody that's here or 60 something of us. So just tuning into this atmosphere of welcoming, welcoming yourself, welcoming others. And then also as you do this, knowing, yeah, that right now others are welcoming you to be here. So it might be that we tune into one, one thread in particular, it might be that we tune into both welcoming and being welcomed, yeah, feeling that movement shared between us. And how does that impact our experience? That's another thing to to feel and to explore. And so if we can really feel the sense of, you know, we're all welcome, different backgrounds, different places. I'm just looking at the screen. I can see 
Germany, I can see France, I can see Sweden, Finland, the US, Israel, of course. Yeah. Lots of UK <laughs> all over. Yeah. And so we can have a sense of, yeah, you know, like so many places, so many backgrounds, so many personal histories, yeah, all here, all coming together to be here in this moment yeah, and to co-create, yeah, co-create this moment right now as well as the, the unfolding of this particular session and, and, the, and the, the ones ahead. And so an invitation with that, yeah, so, to um, engage as much as we can with an open uh, mind and an open heart. Yeah. Open mind and an open heart. Yeah, there's no better way <laughs> to engage with our experience. Yeah. And it was, you know, I had the wonderful treat of kind of reading the, the questionnaires that I filled. I'd actually forgotten. <laughs> I'll tell you a secret. I forgot that I'd asked for those and then, and then they arrived last week. And it was, ah, wow, this is so much fun. Yeah. To, to read your responses and to feel that richness. Yeah. Of where people are coming from. Uh, the um, the different um, yeah the different backgrounds levels of experience yeah things we've been um, shaped by and exposed to in our practice and our teachings and that kind of really supports yeah this opportunity to learn from each other even though I'm going to do most of the talking but not only yeah to learn from each other. So maybe the, the last thing before we, we dive into um, to what I wanted to say today is just to take a moment to, or a few moments, just to feel your intention for being here. Yeah, what, what brings you? What brings you here? Yeah, to this course, to this theme. To this particular moment, you know, we look back, we can see there were so many moments when we decided, yes, I'm going to do this. And we can feel what's the intention right now? What would I like to connect to, to nourish, to cultivate? I'm going to invite you to if you wish to, to share it in the chat, uh, if, if it's possible for you, just in a few words or a sentence. Uh, what's your intention for being here? And we'll just take a few minutes for this. We'll see what comes. I'll read them aloud, but of course, feel free to read them in your own time. To learn more. Freedom. Connection nourishment, to restore balance and calm, inspiration, deeper understanding, to explore and understand the topic more deeply, liberation, to keep opening, to go towards enriching my life, yeah. to get things in proportion, to learn how to be of service, feel connected, wisdom, flow, more presence, deeper understanding and compassion, learning, understanding, deepening, deeper connection, to learn something which might feed my spiritual relationship to my life, deepen understanding of what liberation is, nurture, understanding and being open to each moment in a freer way. Yeah. To explore the Dharma in new and wonderful ways. <laughs> Love and insight. To keep a momentum flowing. To open to the known and the unknown. 
So really beautiful. And I, I couldn't read, you know, some of them. I just read a few words of the, of the whole thing. Um, but, you know, this can be a beautiful thing to um, reflect on, yeah. to have a deeper understanding of this important topic in the Dharma. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to do to connect to our intention and to also connect to the intentions of others. Yeah, something that can really nourish us in our exploration, yeah, in our path. To feel that, yeah, what we resonate with, what we share, uh, what kind of broadens our horizons from, from others. So, I'd like to, to kind of begin or continue um, with a quote from uh, the Thai um, meditation master, Buddha Dasa. Some of you may have heard of him. And uh, he was very passionate about dependent origination. This is, here's one thing that he said about it. He said, the reason we must explore dependent origination is that it is the heart of Buddhism, heart of Dharma. When we talk about the heart of Buddhism, most people think of the Four Noble Truths. Please understand that dependent origination is the fullness of the Noble Truths. It is the full measure of the Noble Truths. So let us call it the Great Noble Truth, the heart of Buddhism. Therefore, we must explore it and talk about it. <laughs> we must talk about it. It's an interesting choice of words there, he says. We must talk about it until it is perfectly understood. So, you know, I, I love that quote. Um, it really, for me, both kind of really, you know, puts dependent origination right at the heart of the teachings, but also, um, you know, invites us to see it as an ongoing journey. Yeah, it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing exploration. We have to keep talking about it, keep keep practicing it, keep um, reflecting on it. Yeah, and it takes us from the most kind of immediate and accessible understanding. Yeah, just like we had at the beginning of the session. Yeah, when we noticed ah experience changes it arises dependent on other things um, takes us from that immediate understanding of our experience to the most profound yeah? the most profound understanding that's available to us as human beings um, in other words that liberating freeing insight <laughs> that the buddha had under the bodhi tree yeah it's like what what did he see he saw dependent origination and then he sat there and he contemplated it yeah, for a very long time. Yeah. So that liberating, freeing insight that um, he saw into and then shared uh, with us, it's available to all of us. Yeah. It's available to all of us. And a very um, beloved teacher, Robert Bayer, many of you know him, familiar with him, he used to say, you know, this is the, you know, this understanding of dependent origination, this is kind of the thread of insight, yeah, that flows through our whole path, yeah, just, it's that one thread of insight that takes us from understanding right here and now, yeah, yeah, to, you know, the most beautiful, the most freeing, the most uh, liberating ways of being and seeing. One thread. So hopefully you, you're, you're also starting to, to feel a little bit excited if you weren't already. <laughs> and um, so what is dependent origination? You know, what is it? Uh, the Pali, Paticca Samuppada. Yeah. Paticca Samuppada, the Pali, is um, it's the Buddha's map. Yeah, it's a map that he offered to us, uh, which kind of we can use to understand how experience is made up, how experience is shaped, how experience is constructed. And particularly, 
yeah, how suffering is fabricated and constructed. Yeah. And the it, one interesting thing is that I'm going to say it now and we'll explore it through the course, yeah, is that dependent origination is a map to the fabrication. You know, how is suffering fabricated? How is suffering constructed? Also, it's a map to the fabrication, the putting together, the making up of the sense of self. Yeah. Making up, the putting together, the constructing um, and the creating of a sense of self. Yeah. Both the sense of this yeah, self, the I, the me, but this one, one that's the center of the world, but nobody else knows that except me. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So how this self-sense is fabricated, um, but also how the self of identity, yeah, of selfness is constructed around phenomena and others. Yeah, so that's kind of the other side of it. And I'm going to say it again, but I'll also say, if you don't understand that right now, that's fine. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to say it at the beginning. We're going to kind of unpack this over, over our, our time together. Um, so primarily, this is a map of how suffering is constructed, but it's also a map of how the sense of self is constructed. Yeah? Both the sense of self that we attribute to ourselves, but also the identity that we attribute and the selfhood that we attribute to um, others and even to things. Yeah. So examples of that to, to try and make it a little more accessible. Um, just, um, you know, I love this about Zoom. I think it really brings it, <laughs> brings it forth. You know, we have right now, if we look at our experience, you know, where are the boundaries? Yeah. So you're, each of us is sitting somewhere <laughs> in our room. And then let, let's ask ourselves for a moment. Am I, am I in everybody else's room right now? Or are they in mine? Yeah. What's going on? And, and what is the experience right now? We're interested in that, not just in what's so-called real, but of what is the actual experience? If I check in right now, what does it feel like? Does it feel like everyone else is in my room? Does it feel like I'm in, in, in theirs? Yeah. And then what happens when I open to both? Yeah. Or to something else? There may be another option <laughs> except those two. We're all together in a, in a virtual space. That's also a possibility. But we can see others. This same experience is constructed, is fabricated differently. Yeah? I'm sure if I asked you, yeah, for some of us, it would feel like, ah, oh, you all, I think this is my experience. I'm pretty sure you're all here with me. Yeah. We're all together yeah, in this space. But then I can also open up and, and kind of, I, I love doing this actually, and just feel like oh, you're each inviting me into your own kind of sacred space, <laughs> yeah. into your home, into a space of practice. You can play. So, so where, where is the boundary? It's constructed. Does that make sense or does that confuse people? Give me a thumbs up if, it's con if it makes sense and a thumbs down if you're confused. Okay, more or less makes sense, it seems. Okay. So we kind of, you know, every moment of experience, there's some kind of identity built up there, yeah? Some kind of sense of reality built up there. Yeah. That we, when we don't pay attention, we take to be true, we take to be real, take to be, ah, uh, this is how it is. And then when we start looking, <laughs> I can see, ah, it can be like this, or it can be like this. What shapes it? So this map of dependent origination, why is it interesting? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we might have a sense, oh, it's interesting because it's fun. <laughs> if we like these kind of games that we've been playing so far. Yeah. And, and we might ask, why is it fun? Why is it fun? What changes when we, when we play these games? 
Yeah, something becomes lighter. Yeah. So this is interesting because if we understand how suffering is built up, yeah, if we understand the relationship yeah, between the build-up of dukkha, yeah, the, the whole range of ill-being that we experience as human beings, right? the stress, the distress, the discomfort, the too much, the too little, the not enough, yeah? whole range. If we understand how that is built up, if we understand the relationship between that and the kind of building up of a separate sense of self, um, if we understand how it's built up, how it's fabricated, how it comes to be, then we also understand how it can cease. Right? We can also, if we see, if we know how we build, we can also unbuild. And this was, you know, what the Buddha was interested in. Yeah. How dukkha comes to be and how we can um, be free. Yeah. Dukkha and the ending of it, the cessation of it. Yeah, that's what that's what the teachings were about. This these are the maps that the Buddha um, drew for us. I'm going to ask you another favor, and that's as you may have noticed when I get excited, I start I start talking very fast. So <laughs> if that happens, just feel free along with the sound. You see, slowly as we go, I'm shifting all the responsibility to you. Um, so along with being responsible for the volume, uh, I'm also going to say, if I start speaking too fast, then uh, please let me know. Yeah, so I can slow down. English um, isn't everybody's first language, and even if it is, I might still be too fast. So just just feel free to send me a message. Doesn't even need to be private. I won't I won't get embarrassed <laughs> if you write slow down to everyone. So suffering, dukkha, dukkha and the end of dukkha. That's what the map is for. So I already mentioned in Pali, dependent origination is paticca samupada. That's two words. It's made up from two words. And what do they mean? Yeah. So paticca, mutually dependent. Yeah. Mutually dependent. Yeah, things that are dependent on each other, right? So often, and I think um, as human beings, we really have a tendency to see things in this way and um, potentially kind of our scientific culture even makes that stronger, um, is we tend to see things as kind of built up on each other, yeah? causes that are built up on each other. So something is dependent on something else that's dependent on something else that's dependent on something else. And here, yeah, paticca samupada, paticca, mutually dependent, things that are mutually dependent on each other. Yeah. Not like that, not one thing sitting on top of something else, but like this, leaning on each other, mutually dependent on each other. So that's paticca. Samupada means to occur, to happen simultaneously, at the same time. Yeah. So, Paticca Samupada, yeah, mutually dependent and happening at the same time. Yeah. That's the name of the map. Yeah. So, dependent origination, yeah, is Paticca Samupada is, is translated as dependent origination, dependent arising, sometimes dependent co-arising, which is probably the most accurate, yeah, dependent co-arising, yeah, things are dependent on each other, mutually dependent, and they happen at the same time, yeah, and so this dependent co-arising, yeah, Things occur, things happen due to mutually dependent and simultaneously occurring conditions. And this is how the, the Buddha put it in this way, which is very beautiful. Yeah. He said, when there is this, that is. 
with the arising of this, that arises. When this is not, neither is that. With the cessation of this, that ceases. Okay, so mutually arising. And if things mutually arise, then if one of them is not there, the other also will not be there. Yeah. So this is kind of back to this, why is this interesting? Because <laughs> yeah. if we understand the map, yeah, or if we understand that things dependently arise, we understand how suffering is constructed, then we also understand um, how to deconstruct. Yeah? So if we understand what are the things that co-arise, that arise together, yeah? and feed, shape, fabricate an experience of ill-being, then we can also understand uh, what needs to not be there in order for that experience to, to change. And I'm particularly starting with this co-arising point because it's not always taught this way. Yeah. And also, it's not always, as I said, it's not the tendency of our mind to see it in that way. Particularly, um, this teaching of uh, dependent origination is offered to us usually in a map of 12 links. Yeah? And so we tend to see them as one being the cause of the next one. Yeah? One following on from the previous one. And this is helpful to see it in that way because it's, you know, maps are helpful for us. Diagrams are helpful for us. Yeah. A list is helpful for us. Um, but this progression is not necessarily linear. It's not that, you know, this happens and then that happens and then that happens and then that happens. Yeah. Mutually arising causes that are needed in order um, to support a particular construction process. So the, the 12 links of uh, dependent origination, which I'll, I'll touch on in a moment, um, are components of a process of construction of experience, yeah? And they co-arise, yeah? And they co-arise. Just gonna stop and check again. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to read in a moment the progression, and, and that's I'm, I'm saying this in the beginning because when I read it from the suttas, it will sound exactly like this and then that, this and this and then that, you know. But that's, that's not, you know, we keep having to remind ourselves it doesn't exactly work that way, yeah? It doesn't exactly work that way. I also want to say, and I think this is also important to, to mention and to have in the background of our understanding. Um, so the most common um, appearance in the suttas is of 12 links. But sometimes in the text, the Buddha speaks of 10. Yeah. And he doesn't always speak of 12. And, and I, I think this is also helpful to know. <laughs> this isn't like some kind of biblical 12 commandments. Yeah. It's a map, and it's a skillful, helpful map, yeah. And, 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 and when we read the text, we can see the Buddha himself um, kind of playing with the map as a, as a teaching tool, yeah. So referring to 12, referring to 10, um, uh, as, a, as a teaching tool. So here's the... Here's the um, Kind of one one sutta where the links appear, where the Buddha is, is kind of uh, speaking about um, the twelve links, and in this sutta he is really the, the language is this is a condition to this, yeah, and and we remember yes this is a condition to this, but also the other way around, yeah, it seems to be going in one direction because that's helpful for us, yeah, it's a it's a way of seeing that's helpful, but not an absolute truth, yeah. So the first, from ignorance as a requisite condition come sankharas. Yeah. Ignorance, not seeing clearly, the opposite of wisdom. From sankharas as a requisite condition comes consciousness. Uh, sankhara is a, is a, a very difficult word to translate. Um, 
translated as concoctions, fabrications, and sometimes as formations or even karmic formations. Um, but the Buddha uh, didn't refer to it as anything to do with karma in particular. Yeah, helpful to say this. And so, um, what are concoctions, yeah, or fabrications? Bodily fabrication, verbal fabrication, mental fabrication. The way experience is shaped through the experience of the body, yeah, the the um, artic the verbalizing mind and um, and our mentality. And sankara is a word that appears in, in various lists. Yes, yeah, one of the five aggregates, um, and and so it can it can have a slightly different con um, meaning in different contexts. Yeah, I'm just putting this out. It, some of the things I'm going to say will be relevant to some of you, but if they if they're Chinese, don't know what the five aggregates are. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right now. Yeah, doesn't matter. I'm just saying it for those who do. Yeah, in case it confuses. And so um, I prefer, and most of, of my teachers prefer the um, translation of Sankara as fabrication or concoction um, because uh, it points to the not com exactly true, <laughs> the not completely true nature of that. Yeah, the things that kind of conjure, yeah, make up our experience. So sankharas uh, have as a requisite con condition ignorance, and they are a requisite condition for consciousness. Consciousness as a requisite condition, um, from consciousness as a requisite condition comes name and form. Yeah, and that's the the form that appears to us, and the name that the mind gives to it. Yeah. From name and form as a requisite condition comes the six sense bases. Yeah. Hearing, yeah, seeing, tasting, smelling, touch, and the mind. Yeah. In Buddha Dharma, the mind is also a sense. Yeah. I'm going through these quickly and I'll say why later. From the six sense bases as a requisite condition comes contact. Contact, contact between the world, the phenomena, the sound, the sight, yeah, the thought, the taste, the smell, yeah, between that and the mind and the consciousness. From contact as a requisite condition comes Vedana. Yeah. Vedana, another word that we're going to keep in the Pali, like Sankara. Um, the initial reaction to our sense impression and the categorization of it into pleasant, unpleasant, or neither, or. Yeah, usually translated as feeling tone, not a great translation. Yeah. So hedonic tone is another um, translation, which is a little bit more helpful. Yeah, because it kind of points to this this tone of experience that comes in and says, ah, this is, where is this on the scale of pleasant, unpleasant? Yeah, where is it? So from Vedana as a requisite condition comes craving. Yeah. Craving, uh, the word in Pali, tanha, thirst. Yeah, that movement that is in search for something. <laughs> yeah to quench the thirst in us. Yeah. And from craving as a requisite condition comes clinging. Yeah, so we craving is that thirst, that movement, that search of something. The, the clinging already has that attachment quality that hooks on to something. From clinging as a requisite condition comes becoming. From becoming as a requisite condition comes birth. From birth as a requisite condition comes decay and death. Yeah. That's the twelfth. <laughs> yeah, decay and death. And with decay and death comes sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Yeah, the Buddha did not mince his words about <laughs> the experience of dukkha. Yeah. 
So from birth comes death and decay, from decay and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, or along with that. And so I went quite quickly um, through these because uh, I just wanted to just kind of name all of them, touch on all of them. Um, this list that I just read out and the link to the sutta, they will be on the notice board tomorrow. Uh, there will also be a link to an article from Christina Feldman, which is uh, quite, you know, fairly brief, but I think very good. And it, it kind of goes through all the links um, to, to give you a sense of, of, of their meaning. Um, so, you know, there was no expectation whatever from my side that you would have taken all of that in <laughs> right now. Um, uh, so just to say that, but I did, you know, I think there is something about just kind of hearing that, yeah, hearing that, um, that map spoken and remembering, yeah, again, it sounds linear, right? As a, as a requisite condition, <laughs> this is a requisite condition to that. This is a requisite condition to that. This is a requisite condition to that. So remind, remembering again, they co arise. This is going to be a big part of our exploration. And um, there's a beautiful, this is a short bit from a sutta um, where Sariputta, and I'll also send you the link to this, uh, not send, put it on the notice board. Um, Sariputta, one of the Buddha's uh, senior disciples, is teaching another monk and he's giving this simile. And he says to Katita, the other monk, Katita, my friend, I will give you an analogy. For there are cases where it is through the use of an analogy that intelligent people can understand the meaning of what is being said. What a good teacher. Huh? The use of an analogy. It is as if two sheaves of reeds yeah, were to stand leaning against one another. Yeah, remember I said this in the beginning, two sheaves of reeds, if you've ever seen still traditional farming, yeah, when they harvest, yeah, when, when, when the harvest of the rice or the grains or the reeds is done, the sheaves are stacked, so they lean on each other, the bundles, yeah, lean on each other, as if two sheaves, two bundles of reeds were to stand leaning against one another in the same way, yeah, from name and form as a requisite condition comes consciousness. He's looking at two of these links. Yeah? From name and form comes consciousness. From consciousness as a requisite condition comes name and form. Yeah? So they lean on each other. This is Shariputta. Uh, and I want to bring this from the text so that you'll believe me I'm not making it up. <laughs> the co-arising. Yeah. And leaning on each other. So remembering that the co-arising, and, and he continues and says, if one were to pull away one of those sheaves of reeds, the other would fall. If one were to pull away the other, the first one would fall. In the same way, from the cessation of name and form comes the cessation of consciousness. From the cessation of consciousness comes the cessation of name and form. Yeah, Remember that quote from the Buddha, when this is, that is. When this is not, that is not. Yeah, so they lean on each other. Yeah. And so this is why this is so interesting to us. Because yeah. any of these links, yeah, when we become familiar with them, when we learn how to work with them, yeah, they can be a gateway into untangling yeah, that whole construction of dukkha. The whole construction of dukkha. Take one out, then the other does not arise or ceases to be. So what matters most with this teaching? Yeah, what matters most with this teaching? Um, this understanding that things arise dependent on other things. Yeah. The understanding of fabrication, of construction, of the put together yeah, nature of experience, yeah. which is you know, when we stop and look at it, we see it. Yeah. And yet, when we don't stop and we don't look, yeah, we live. Yeah. Yeah. We live disconnected 
from this way of seeing and understanding. Yeah, we forget. Yeah, we forget. And that's kind of, you know, that's part of what that ignorance is at the beginning of this whole um, map, right? What is that ignorance? The ignorance of not seeing clearly, not seeing with wisdom. Yeah. Taking things to be real and true that are not. Yeah. Taking things to be independently arising when they are dependently arising. Mm-hmm. Any moment of experience, this is available to us. And, and hopefully, um, you know, this is something that will be apparent. And that's why we also practice. We don't just listen to the Dharma and reflect on the Dharma, um, which is really important, but we also practice. Yeah, we also practice that we can see and we can feel and we can meet this can meet these insights in our own experience and i just want to give an example of this um and then we'll have a little break um and so this is um this was when i was on a i think i was on a one month retreat a guy house uh some years ago and uh it's, it's a teaching story I've told before, so you may have heard it. Um, and so I, I love doing walking meditation. And uh, this was winter, so I went out to do my walking practice in the, in the garden at the back of Guy House. For those of you who've been there, I'll also tell you a secret. Some of the Guy House coordinators are here with us. So we've actually got Guy House here. In, in, in our online meditation hall. Isn't that a treat? So anyway, I, w- I was doing, went out to do walking um, meditation, which for me in the winter is a big production. You know, I wear a lot of warm clothes and <laughs> okay, I'm out there finally ready to do my walking practice um, and getting into it. It's very beautiful and steady and wonderful. And then suddenly, there's the noise of a hedge strimmer not very far away from me. And, and it's like really shocking and disturbing. It's like, what? What, what, is, what is a hedge strimmer doing in my walking meditation? Yeah? My guy house space. <laughs> my sacred area. You know? like, haven't they, have they forgotten this is a silent meditation retreat place? You know, what are they doing? So... Here's the buildup of experience, right? Yeah. There's the contact. Yeah. Contact is the sound. Yeah. The sound is immediately triggers a Vedana. The Vedana is unpleasant. Yeah. I don't like that kind of sound. It's unpleasant. That unpleasant Vedana um, feeds or comes along with craving. Yeah. That thirst for, you know, that to go away my experience to be pleasant. Don't want unpleasant. The clinging. Okay, I need to get, I need to make it go away. Yeah. And with that, I need to make, I can't stand this. <laughs> it's, it's destroying my meditation. Yeah, my whole retreat. Yeah. If, you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever watched your mind, you can see this happening. My whole retreat is over. Yeah, not just today. The whole thing, you know, it's just like, this was the moment, not just the retreat, enlightenment has just left the building. Yeah. Because this was the moment it was going to happen. Yeah. So we see this build up. Yeah. The, the, the craving, the clinging, the becoming. Yeah. This suddenly there's this really strong sense of self there that is going to take action. I'm going to write a note to the coordinators and complain, you know about this happening and what were they thinking you know my meditate my enlightenment has just gone down the drain and now god knows how many more lifetimes um anyway uh so all of this is building up and with the word note i'm going to write a note something happens i'm going to get to the point i promise um something happens i suddenly remember actually you know there was a note up on the hermitage notice board saying that they were going to trim the hedges today and apologizing for any inconvenience and noise. And so, boom, the whole bubble bursts, yeah, with that memory, right? Because 
what what is that experience dependent on yeah it's dependent on a sense of self it's dependent on the sense of self being right sense of self isn't right that whole thing with it the clinging the craving yeah all of it yeah and there's an opportunity yeah it's like a balloon getting popped with a pin boom yeah there's an opportunity okay what do i do now the noise is still there yeah i still want to practice right what do i do and so there's the opportunity i remember the teachings finally <laughs> it took me a while yeah okay so i have a choice i can go to the front garden i can go indoors or i can choose to actually take this as an object yeah right here practice yeah practice with this yeah and so the practice i chose to do then um which we'll do together after the break is to stay in contact yeah so i can stay with the contact of the senses yeah before things build up into being unpleasant yeah before the craving and the clinging get a hold yeah before the sense of self builds up they're becoming before this birth of the self and then the death of it <laughs> yeah right and distress arises so i can make that choice and the interesting thing is um and this is kind of why we do this practice is we can pop that balloon ourselves we don't need to wait for those moments of grace when we remember that there was actually a note and this whole thing that i'm building up right now is you know a mirage it's nothing yeah and we can remember and we can pop that balloon we can stop that escalation into suffering we have another option and we can practice that So this is available to us. Yeah, as I said, so much of it is about remembering. Yeah, so much of it is about remembering. Yeah, remembering what is possible. Remembering that what feels so real right now. Yeah, my meditation is ruined for today. That feels so real. It's not true. When is that ever true? <laughs> it can't be ruined because it's dependently arising yeah dependent on what dependent on conditions including what including my relationship to it so i can choose to practice yeah right now again so that's the example i get i wanted to give i hope it makes sense um and as i said when we come back we'll do some of this practice i'll i'll just say a few words before we start and then we'll have time have half an hour to practice together um yeah Whew. sorry for that one hour of being talked to um i should have given you a health warning it happens on the first session because there's so much to do but uh let's take a let's have a civilized break of ten, of 10 minutes and uh come back at 10 past for um a meditation together so thank you for your listening and i'll see you very soon thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org/donate